It is spring, which means lots of rainy, dreary days spent waiting for warmer weather. What better way to perk up those spring blues than with a nice big bowl of soup? Soup can be made of so many things and in so many ways, but there is an art to it. It does take some amount of knowledge and skill to make a really good bowl of soup. Now in restaurants, soup is generally made of products that are reaching the end of their lives or leftovers from the day before. We use as few ingredients as possible and manipulate them to get as much flavor as we can. The goal of a restaurant chef is to maximize profit and make the most out of very little. Your goal probably isn't based on balancing profit and loss. However, the same principles that we use in restaurants can be applied to make much tastier soup at home. I'm Chef Ben, this is Food in 5, brought to you by HowToNotBurnShit.com, your modern culinary manual, and this is Restaurant Secrets for Making Better Soup. Who doesn't love butter and squash soup? Ideally, it's smooth, creamy, a bit sweet, and oh so delicious. It is usually made fairly simply. A butternut squash is peeled, the seeds are removed, and it is cut into cubes. Some onions and perhaps garlic will be cooked a little, and then the squash will be added. This will be covered with water and maybe some maple syrup, boiled until the squash is soft and then pureed. Finally, it will be seasoned with salt and pepper, and that is about it. The soup I just described is the most basic version of a butternut squash soup. It's not bad. In fact, most people would probably be happy with that. But with just a little more effort, that good soup can be made extraordinary. Roasting the squash. Try roasting the squash on 425 degrees Fahrenheit for 35 to 45 minutes prior to adding it to the soup. This will draw the natural sweetness out of the squash and intensify its flavors. Just cube the squash as described above, toss it with a few tablespoons of olive oil and a bit of salt and pepper, spread the squash out on a sheet pan lined with parchment paper, and bake you want to develop a little color in the squash, a little caramelization. Once the squash is thoroughly roasted, add it to the pot uh, as you normally would. Caramelizing the onions. While the squash is cooking, take the time to caramelize the onions. This is done by cooking the onions in a little oil on low heat for a long period of time. All you have to do is stir the onions every once in a while and scrape the bottom of the pot from time to time. Caramelizing onions, just like roasting the squash, draws out their natural sweetness and deepens their flavor. It makes the flavor of the finished soup richer and deeper. Maple syrup. A little maple syrup adds a nice pop to the flavor of the soup, but too much can quickly become overpowering and make the soup sickeningly sweet. By roasting the squash and caramelizing the onions, you are already adding sweetness to the soup. This means that the maple syrup is just there for that maple flavor. A little maple syrup can go a long way if you take the time to reduce it. Now, Once the onions are cooked, add about half as much maple syrup as you think you should and cook it until it is almost completely evaporated. This will intensify that maple flavor and you can use less than you normally would. Liquid. A theme you're going to see over and over in this post and in all of my posts is, is me saying to use stock instead of water when making soup. The reason being that soup is usually made with only a few ingredients. Those ingredients have to provide as much flavor as possible. Otherwise, you may have to add other ingredients to compensate for the lack of flavor. Stock is just flavored water. 
could be flavored with vegetables to make vegetable stock. It could be flavored with chicken bones to make and vegetables to make chicken stock, or beef bones and vegetables to make beef stock. You get the idea. I generally generally recommend making your own stock. It's really straightforward and takes no effort at all. But feel free to buy it at the grocery store if you prefer. Just use stock instead of water. Pureed soups. So maple butternut squash soup is generally a pureed soup. Often at home, people puree their soup in a blender and call it a day. But a blender alone will not be able to give you that smooth, creamy texture that you get from from soup in restaurants. That comes from passing the soup through a fine mesh sieve once it has been pureed. And passing the soup through a fine mesh sieve is just what it sounds like. Pour the soup into the sieve, and then using a spatula or the bowl of a ladle, push the soup through the tiny holes. You're trying to get as much of the solids through the sieve as possible. What comes out the other side is the smoothest, creamiest possible soup. Conclusion The principles I just described for making butternut squash soup can be applied to any uh, pureed soup. Roast the main ingredient, caramelize the onions, use stock instead of water, and pass the final soup through a fine mesh sieve. Done and done. Broth-based soups. Chicken noodle. Broth-based soups like chicken noodle are one of the classic home remedies and for whatever it is that ails you. But rarely does chicken noodle soup taste as good as the stuff made in restaurants. So what's the secret? Well, it will likely come as no surprise to learn that the secret to a really flavorful and delicious broth-based soup is a really flavorful and delicious broth. This brings up the question, what exactly is a broth? And is it different from a stock? Broth versus stock. So there is one really big difference between broth and stock. Stock is made from bones. Broth is made from meat. Stock uses water as the base. Broth often uses stock as the base. That's pretty much it. Other than that, they're made the same way. So to make it a little clearer, to make a stock, you take chicken bones and simmer them with carrot, onion, and celery. To this, some herbs might be added. To make a broth, you simmer the whole chicken with the vegetables and herbs. In terms of flavor, broth is much stronger than stock. It generally has a slightly higher fat content, and so it has a richer mouthfeel. Broth is also usually clearer than stock. This comes from clarification, which is a relatively complicated process that we don't really need to get into. But one way to keep a broth fairly clear is to not add carrots to it, as they will cloud it. Uh, And do not boil the broth while you're making it. Cooking the ingredients. Another secret to flavorful broth soups is to cook all the ingredients separately. This seems kind of counterintuitive, but it's true. Start with a hot, flavorful broth and add cooked ingredients to it. This keeps the flavors clean and crisp, as well as the broth clear. If you're making the soup a day in advance, all the ingredients can be combined the day before, except any ingredients that will continue to absorb liquid, like rice or pasta. Add these only at the last minute before serving, otherwise they will suck up way too much liquid and become mushy and gross. Conclusion Again, these same principles apply to most broth soups, not just chicken noodle. Start with a rich, flavorful broth, add only cooked ingredients, leave ingredients like rice and pasta out until the last minute so they don't become soggy, mushy, and gross. That's about it. So conclusion of everything. Nothing beats a really good bowl of homemade soup. Hopefully, with these restaurant secrets, you can now find yourself making better soup than you ever thought possible. 
I hope what you've realized is that with just a little more effort, the ordinary becomes extraordinary. That is true of all cooking, not just soup. It is always that little bit extra that separates the good from the great. Now the next time you make soup, even if you are following a recipe, take the time to roast the vegetables or make a flavorful broth. You'll be able to taste the difference. And so will everyone else. I'm Chef Ben, and this is Food in 5, brought to you by HowToNotBurnShit.com, your modern culinary manual. And of course, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Chef Ben Kelly, and on Facebook at Ben Kelly Cooks. You can like and subscribe to the podcast um, on Anchor, or wherever you listen to podcasts, or wherever you're listening to this. And of course, you can tell your friends. Thank you, as always, for listening. Uh, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I'll be back tomorrow with another fantastic episode of Food in 5. Tomorrow is Thursday. Cannot believe that the week's almost over already. But that means it is Brief History Day, and we're going to take a look at the brief history of Pillsbury. Uh, Thanks again, everybody. I will see you tomorrow. Have a great day.